Hi, and welcome back to Becca Babbles Podcast. I'm your host, Becca. I'm a certified personal trainer, holistic health coach, and future chiropractor on my way to figuring out this thing we called life. Now, let's get babbling. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Becca Babbles Podcast. Today, I have a special interview with Peyton Plazons, and I just want to say, when I thought of the title of this interview, it was one of those feelings of like when you're in a movie and it's an intense scene or someone says something and it's intense and you just feel shook and you're just like, oh, oh my goodness, this was like an amazing idea or this is like an epic moment. That was me when we were talking in this episode today and I thought of the idea for navigating the in-between with patent plaisance which by the way I'm super proud of myself to be able to pronounce her last name because that was a bit of an issue getting ready for this podcast not gonna lie but I think it's perfect the way that she starts with p and then her last name starts with p so I think that's pretty cool but But anyways, Peyton is the founder of Breakthrough Nutrition Coaching, a virtual practice committed to equipping women to build confidence in making their nutrition choices. But she also has her bachelor's in nutrition from Texas A&M University and is currently completing her 12,000-hour dietetic program through Complete Business Dietetic Internship, also known as KBDI. On this episode, we discussed Peyton's process of learning how to become a business owner, the difficulty of niching down in the dietetic world, the behind the scenes of what a business is truly like, why Peyton chose her internship program, how to find the balance of being selfless while having self-care, the misconception in nutrition, particularly the correlation between body size and health risk, the importance of being well-informed and responsible when consuming social media, and much, much more. You can find Peyton on her website at BreakthroughNutritionCoaching.com, and you can follow her on Instagram at Margaret Peyton Plaisance. But for now, sit back, relax, enjoy this episode while you are on your walk or driving to wherever you're driving to. And with all that being said, I can't wait to babble with you next time. So the first question that I ask all of my interviewees is like, how would you define yourself? Like if you opened up a dictionary, how would you define yourself? That's a really good question. Um, I am very empathetic, almost to a fault. Um, I feel like I just absorb other people's emotions a lot, um, which is something that I'm actually trying to work on. But that was the first thing that popped into my head when you said that. So (laughs) empathetic. Yeah. How are you working with that? Or like, how are you working towards like not absorbing other people's stuff? I think just setting boundaries with my mind and my like, how I let other, how I absorb other people's um, burdens that they lay on me, I guess. Um, And just separating that I, I don't have to be the one to shoulder everything that they're feeling and I can just do it in a healthy way. So that's kind of how I'm working on that. (laughs) I know that can be really tough being a health coach and like not trying, because I've even found this with myself working with clients where it's just like, you want to help them so bad, but realizing it's like their, their journey, their work. Yes. I, there was actually an instance in one of my internship rotations where um, my preceptor Um, saw a client and I was sitting in and it was the first time they had met. And so um, my preceptor was getting to know 
the client and it was some heavy stuff and the client left. And the minute she left, I was like, I need to ask her how she handles her emotions during these just emotionally charged um, appointments. And then I just started crying and I was like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I I'm so sorry. I just, um, she was like, no, it's okay. And she said that it's, it's just important to remember that you're a human being too, and you don't have to be a robot and just absorb, absorb, absorb. Like it's okay to, um, be a little emotional sometimes and like show your clients that you are a person too. And you're not just like an automated <laughs> script, you know? Yeah. We're not all looking for AI to help heal us. Right. <laughs> well, on a lighter note, I know you're a really big reader. So I have to ask, cause like I have good reads and I'm always looking to add on books. What are you currently reading right now? Oh, so I don't know if you know who Donald Miller is. Um, he has written a lot of business growth books. So it's not the most fun thing ever. Um, but I'm reading his how to build a small business book and it is just blowing my mind. Um, so many little gold nuggets of wisdom. I, I love it so much. Um, so I'm not reading anything fun right now. Um, I'm more focusing on that, but, um, I've really enjoyed it and I, I think it's going to be helpful now and in the future. So that's totally. what I'm reading right now. <laughs> What's the like biggest thing that has highlighted for you while reading it right now? So in the book, he talks about how a business is like an airplane. And uh, I, he talks about how there's like the cockpit and the wings. And like, I think he said, marketing is the wings and um, leadership is the code. I, I can't remember exactly what it says, but um, he just, describes it all very visually and it's just really helpful to see how like what piece of the puzzle each thing goes into like people who are like well I don't need a bunch of marketing or social media to get my business off the ground and his book just kind of reiterates like yeah you have to have a good plan to um to build the business of your dreams so it's been really insightful in that way for me yeah, that's really cool. It's like realizing that there's importance in every part and not to just solely be on one center of your business. Because I think I've even found this within myself where it's like, I will focus heavily on like one area of my business. And then I'm just like, oh, wait, this this other area, like, for <laughs> instance, I was doing a lot of like background work for like making resources for my clients. And then it was like, oh, wait, I haven't done any sort of like marketing or anything. So like, what's the point of making all of this if no one's going to receive any of it? So yeah. Yeah, it's all, it's all about balance, you know? And I think that's something tricky to like, we try to, I don't know, like kind of what your personality type is, but you seem like someone who wants to have like all the eggs in a basket and have everything organized. And so I think, it's important to see um, how each thing contributes to your business and how to not overload on any one thing and try to have a good balance. Mm -hmm. It's funny that you say that, like, I look like I have eggs in my basket, but I'm like, on the outside, it looks that way. But internally, sometimes <laughs> it's like, uh... <laughs> um, that's, 
that's like that's what you hope people are like oh i i right. see you or organized i have my stuff together i promise um it i like to define it as organized chaos that um i heard that from i forget where i heard it from but i was like that that defines me very well <laughs> <laughs> sounds about right <laughs> yeah. same well i guess that's kind of goes into my next question that i had was like what are you digging into right now like what are you thinking about right now what's keeping you up at night oh that is a great question i was actually just talking about this with a friend the other day so um in the field of dietetics like the field that i'm going into there's uh, and you've seen seen this too on instagram and all the resources that are available there's so many different routes that you can take and so many niches that you can decide, okay, this is the type of mindset that I identify with. Like you can do health at every size. You can do sustainable weight loss. You can do intuitive eating. There are so many different things that people choose to build their business around and build their resources and stuff around. And so I've just been having an identity crisis lately because I love all the things and I'm like, there, there's so many good things to pull from each method of teaching someone how to transform their life and how to build the life that they want. But, um, everyone always says, well, you have to, you have to pick something like, so that you can, you know, become an expert in that. And so I think lately it's just been, um, trusting myself to know that I have my own conscience and I have I have things that I believe and I have, um, ideal ideologies that I believe about, um, nutrition and about dietetics and, um, maybe not letting myself be backed into a corner just because someone says, well, you have to do it this way, or you have to do it this way. So I think that's, what's been keeping me up at night is just, um, trying to be original with what I want to present to people as like information and as like what I believe in um, and trying to narrow that down a little bit to become a little bit more niche if that's a word. Yeah, no, that makes sense because I've, I've heard this too where it's like you need to niche down so that you're like talking to a specific audience but then you're also like wait but I, I I fight with this too in my head because I'm like, well, this information like works for this type of person, but like if there's someone else, like they might see this and it's like totally wrong for them. And then I go in my head and I'm like, how do I speak to all of it? And I think that's where that balance comes in, where it's like, who is your audience? So I completely relate to that struggle. Um, how have you been dealing with that? Like what's been helping you in that process? I really think looking at people who have gone ahead and kind of paved the way for certain things like there, I'm sure you have this too, where you have people that you follow on social media or articles that you read by a certain person that you really respect and just trying to kind of narrow down the people and the dietitians that I most respect and that I most identify with and trying to see, well, what, what can I implement that that they're doing that is working really well for them and their clients while also still bringing maybe my own thoughts that are evidence-based obviously to the table to help people. And so I think just making sure that you have good Instagram mentors and good real life mentors as well. Um, my 
my preceptors in throughout my internship have been really inspiring as well. Just good people for me to look up to. So I think I've been blessed in that area, just with a lot of people to um, learn from and look up to. So what has it been like for you to be in like this in-between state? Because I know a lot of people my age right now, they're like, they're in school, they're learning stuff, but then they're also like, they could be doing like their own side hustle sort of thing, but you're like gaining experience. So what is that like for you? It, so it has been, so I graduated from A&M last year in May. So my undergrad took a little bit longer than the average person, but it was worth it. Um, and then with this internship and just what you said, like, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of an in-between. It's not like, you're not a registered anything yet. You're just still kind of a student and getting experience from different people and, you know, then having to study for the exam. Um, there's just been, there's been a lot of times where I'm like, what, I don't want to waste this time that I have, but I am scared to, put both feet in and, and really kick things off with like my coaching and my business and my website and things like that. And I think a lot of it is just imposter syndrome, like thinking, well, I'm not done with my, um, with my internship yet. And so I'm not ready. I'm not ready to go full on into it. And so I think, I think it's hard to trust that you have a good skill set and a good foundation and that you the thing that holds most people back from starting a business or starting to work with people is just that they're not good enough and we're always going to be learning we're always going to be making mistakes and learning from them and trying to do what's best for other people but um, I think just using the time wisely to continue researching but also to do it scared, like just put one, put both feet in and do it scared is something that I've found is beneficial during this particular season for me. Yeah, I can totally relate with the whole imposter syndrome. Like when I first started my podcast, I was like, who would want to listen to my podcast? Like, what's the point? Um, I remember publishing it and like literally that night I was like shaking. Um, but <laughs> it's like, if you have to start sometime if you really want to do something you have to start um mm -hmm. and just getting that whole phrase like i almost feel like it's a cliche at this point but like getting comfortable with the uncomfortable right um and it's just like the i this this is what has helped me where it's just kind of like with the imposter syndrome where if you just like know that you want to do it but you're just a tiny bit afraid that just means that you're going to grow on the other side yeah, I think, I think that's so good. I think people just want to run away from fear as much as possible and they don't want to kind of lean into it a little bit because you don't, there's a quote that's like everything you've ever wanted is on the other side of fear and you can't get to the other side of fear without going through it. So I think, I think that's really good. Um, just not being afraid of it and being willing to be uncomfortable for the sake of your future and the future of the people you want to help. And things like that yeah you got to get a little messy <laughs> <laughs> right organize chaos <laughs> yes there we go um all i could like all i could envision when we were talking about this was like when you're going through like pouring down rain and you have your head like pointed down and you got your jacket on you're like i just gotta get home gotta get home <laughs> 
Now I've got that image too. I totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> so anytime you're like feeling fear, just be like, I'm going through the porn down right. That's all I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> My raincoat is the tools that I have and the people around me. <laughs> They're protecting me. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, before I dig into your story, I'm really interested in your internship. Like what all goes into a dietetic internship and how did you even start that? That is a great question. So um, if you want to become a dietitian, you have to do a minimum of a nine month internship. So the process of getting that is a lot like nursing school. So you, you kind of pick where you want to apply and you have to do interviews and write, um, like have letters of recommendation and things like that. So it's a very similar process. And then you get matched to a program that best aligns with your, like your resume, your, how you interviewed all the, all of these factors. And so the one that I matched with was actually my top choice, which was such a hallelujah. Um, but the one that I'm in right now has a business concentration and that's not normal at all. Like most internships for dietetics are clinical focused or sports nutrition or community, which are all great things. But um, I, I really like the one that I'm in right now, just because of the, just all the details that they talk about, like insurance and things that you wouldn't be talking about in a, in a different concentration of an internship. And so it's, this internship is a nine month process. There's 20, I believe there's 21 interns total in my cohort. So it's pretty small, but you have to get about 1200 hours of exposure and, and, um, shadowing basically, um, for different preceptors in different areas. So clinical community food service. So I've been to a school, I've been to a hospital, I've been to an eating disorder clinic. I've been, um, I'm at, um, Texas A&M AgriLife Extension in downtown Fort Worth right now, which is all these really cool, um, programs that they put on. So it's a lot and it was very stressful trying to match with the program, but it's always worth it on the other side, you know? Um, but I, it's, it's been really good for me to try to figure out what I want to do and what path I might want to go down and just a good opportunity to change your mind if you want and go a different direction. But yeah, so I graduated in May of last year and then I started my internship in September. So it was a pretty quick turnaround but I've loved it. I, it's really grown me. It's been hard. Um, I have to create business plans for different things, like do financial projections and a marketing plan and strategy and all these things that I'm like, I, I've never done this before in my life. What am I, what am I doing? Um, but they just do a really good job of equipping all of us to feel confident in doing that so that we can you know, be successful in our businesses in the future. So um, again, I've loved it. It's been a great experience. I am ready for it to be over so that I can start <laughs> studying for the RD exam. Mm -hmm. um, but I have about a month left and I'm just trying to soak it up because it's gone fast. So um, it's been, it's been a blessing and just really, um, really, it's been really essential to getting me to where I am right now. So it's been great. 
What's the biggest thing that you've learned in the process of the internship? Um, oh, that's a really good question. Um, I think just little, little details that I never would have thought about otherwise, like with starting a business, like our, we learned about taxes, insurance, marketing, um, how to counsel well, like we had this, we had these hours of videos that we had to watch about how to be a good counselor and like how to really do well with drawing information out of people, just like you would do with any client that you had. And so I think it's just all of those little things that I didn't know to expect when I started the internship, but now I feel a lot more confident with those things that I, and I don't think I would have um, without all of that guidance. So those is things that, for sure. Is that why you wanted to be in that program? Cause it was like more focused on business or like what was, what made it be your top choice? Um, so this one, so it's called complete business dietetic internship. I don't think I said that, but it is a super new program. So I think we are the third cohort that they've ever had. It's very new and their focus is actually, so it's business and entrepreneurship. So again, that is unheard of. That is not a thing. Like there's, there's hundreds of internships and none of them offer that. And so it was just a diamond, a diamond in the rough for me, <laughs> but that was kind of how I picked it one, because it was new. And I, I just, I thought that was something I wanted to be a part of just to experience what it was like to be in something that's growing and they're still working out kinks and I'm trying to make things more successful for interns. And then I just really, really wanted the guidance for entrepreneurship. And I was like, this is they say this is for entrepreneurship. So we're going to, we're going to go for it. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to put that as our top choice. So that was kind of what prompted me to, to put that one as my top, my top choice. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Cause I really do think it's important. Like I went to go shadow a chiropractor recently and his, his big thing was like, yes, you need to understand, um, the importance of like being a chiropractor and doing your practice. But then also there's like, being a business owner is a totally different like person and like a totally different skill that you have to learn and i recently listened to a podcast where they had talked about how like some schools are now start starting to offer like electives for students for like entrepreneurship and i'm just like love that that's so cool i wish i had that um because i had even thought um when I was going to go and do my undergrad, I thought of minoring in business because I was like, well, if I'm going to have a business, I kind of need to know how to do it. So, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, it's crazy. And I think in a, my dad is also a business owner like he he has um, or he was a business owner for many years. And so I think I learned a good uh, kind of vision for what that actually looks like and not the glorified what you see on social media, like, oh, this looks amazing. They're just at home with their kids. They're drinking their coffee. They don't have to commute into downtown to go to work. So I think I have a pretty, I think I came in with a pretty realistic view of it's going to be really, really hard, but in the end, it's going to be worth it. And I think that that 
experience like wasn't lost lost on me either just to watch my dad walk through a lot of business decisions and um, some really hard days and so I think that was a blessing too to kind of see someone go before me and show me like this is possible you just have to put in the hard work and and be willing to get get uncomfortable <laughs> for a little bit to have all that success but so I, I attribute a lot of that to my dad and his his grit that he had during that time. Yeah. Is there anything specific that like you can think of that people have like a misconception when it comes to business? Oh, that's a really good question. I think, I honestly think it might be. So the other day we were talking about write-offs in our, in our class for the internship. And I did not know that there were so many things that you could write off as an online business owner. Like they were like, you can write off your home office, your phone bill, your, your utilities. And I was like, are you kidding me? I can do that. And that's fine. <laughs> and so just little things like that, that no one ever tells you, like, I, I would have never figured that out otherwise. I mean, maybe if I looked it up, but just little things like that, that are in the end really, really helpful to know, but the, the right people have to tell you those things. So just little details like that, that it's like a little gold nugget of wisdom. Yeah. I would have never thought that you could write off your phone bill. I know. It's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> well, getting into nutrition, I want to know what made you want to get into nutrition. Did you always want to be a dietitian? Like what brought you there? So I, I feel like I'm, I, I've, I've listened to so many like podcasts of people saying like, well, I had this experience and it led me to pursue nutrition. And it's like this amazing story that's just full of ups and downs. And I honestly don't, that's the opposite of what I have. Um, I started out wanting to be a physical therapist actually. And then I decided that I didn't want to do that um, sophomore year. I think in college. And I was talking with my mom and we were talking about other science majors uh, that I could pursue. And she was like, oh, like what about nutrition? And I was like, that sounds pretty cool. I guess I'll go with that. <laughs> and so yeah. that was truly, that was truly what what started everything is just my mom throwing out a option for me to pursue because I was like, well, I don't want to do. I don't want to do nursing. I don't want to become a doctor. Nutrition sounds good. I'll, I'll become a dietitian. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it's really cool that you can normalize the fact because like some people don't always have this like big ginormous story. And the fact that you're just like, I was just interested in it and decided to do it, I think just allows other people to be like, it's okay to not have this dramatic story. That's so true. Yeah, I think. Um, and I even think with like, like I'm a Christian and so Christianity, like everyone has a testimony, you know, before they came to know Christ and all that. And you think, oh, well, if I don't have a crazy story, then it must not be, it, it must not be real. And so that's the same that goes with those kinds of things. It's okay if you don't have a crazy experience to attribute choosing your major to, um, that's okay. So yeah. yes, I, yes, I a hundred percent agree with you. <laughs> 
what did make you pick nutrition because i know you said like oh your mom just pointed it out but like you decided like oh physical therapy isn't for me so what made you be like oh nutrition is for me so it was a it was a couple of things um so my family did foster care for a long time for babies and um it was after we started doing that that i really began to see how critical it is for a child to have good nutrition or for a person in general to have appropriate nutrition because you know they would the babies would or toddlers would come to our house and they would be just so lethargic and so like they hadn't eaten well in so long and just being at our house and getting three meals a day getting snacks like it completely just transformed the way that those kids acted and so i think i think i just had a really cool firsthand experience as to how important it is. And so that kind of solidified to me that that was something that I wanted to pursue. Um, like I already did want to, but just seeing that literal transformation of someone, like their personalities are changed, their moods are different. I think that was really inspiring. And I was like, if I could do that for someone, that would be incredible. Like I would feel, I would feel honored if I could do that. And so I think that was a big, I think that was a big thing. Um, and then just like the whole, the science behind it is just fascinating. Like how the body works and how like, it's really important that you get all of these vitamins and minerals and macronutrients. Otherwise you're not going to be doing great. And just diving into that in undergrad um, just furthered my fascination with it. So I guess, I guess those are the two things that, that really pulled me further in. Mm -hmm. What was it like growing up in a household where there were like foster kids? Like, what did you learn from that? Yeah. So um, I think I'm trying to remember what year we started doing it. I wasn't young. I was like, maybe, I think I was 16 or 17 um, because they continued to do it after I went to college. But um, it was amazing to see my parents be like, have four kids of their own and then still have like said yes to a calling to care for other kids, even when there were already a lot of kids at the house. <laughs> um, but I think that just taught me a lot about how important it is to practice being selfless and practice being sacrificial with your time and with your energy. Um, and not just trying to be like, well, I need my me time. Like I, if I don't get my me time, I'm going to be, I'm not going to be doing well. And, um, just really allowing the needs of other people to be put before your own. Like I would do schoolwork sometimes like holding a baby in one arm and then like doing doing schoolwork and with the other with the other hand and so I think it just really it grew my respect it grew my respect for my parents as well but just seeing them embody those characteristics that I just talked about I was like man that that's the way life should be lived like you like you should definitely be like for other people, you know, and, and take care of other people um, and let that be um, the purpose of your life. Pretty much like there's just so much joy and fulfillment in that. And I think a lot of people miss out on that because they're afraid of 
well, who's going to take care of me if I, if I take care of other people and you'll be fine, you'll get, you'll be taken care of. So, um, that was really inspiring to me. Yeah. How do you balance the, cause I know like self-care and like self-love is like a big thing that's being pushed around. So like, how do you balance the, like being selfless and then the self-love piece? Cause I do see that it's important to like take care of yourself and like set those boundaries. But then like, like you were saying, where's this like extreme point where it's like, okay, we might be leaning on like the selfish part to where like, we're not thinking of others. Mm-hmm. I, I really like the analogy of like a cup being filled up. And if your cup is not f- like if your cup doesn't have anything in it, then you don't have anything to give to other people. And so the purpose of your self-care and your self, your self-love pretty much, I, I just am a big believer that, um, you know, we recharge so that we can be in community and be like poured into just like we pour out onto other people, like our time and our energy and our, um, our love. And so I think everyone has a different way that their cup is filled, obviously. And like some people can operate on this much and some people can off, well, you can't see cause this is, you know, <laughs> podcast, but, um, some people operate on just a little bit of time for themselves. And then some people need more, but, um, I'm just a big, I'm just a big proponent of, like we, we take care of ourselves so that we can a like have stuff to give. Like if you don't have anything to give, then you're going to be bitter and angry and negative. And it's not going to be, you're not going to be the type of person that you want to be for other people. And so, um, I think when I have those moments of, I'm just going to rest, like, I just need, I just need a little bit of time. I just need to watch my show. or I just need to um, take a bath or whatever it is that people, people like to do, um, to take care of themselves. Um, it's always, I always feel refreshed afterwards and then my cup is full again. And so I can, you know, be there for my husband or be there for my friends. And I don't feel like I'm running on fumes, you know, (laughs) what I find really interesting is it's usually the people who like constantly give, 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 who feel really guilty to like take care of themselves but then once they start taking care of themselves they're actually able to give in the capacity that they want to I think that's I think that's so true I I think we're just taught especially moms like you just see all of this stuff about well um like jokes about moms never having any time for themselves and people kind of laugh it off and laugh at it but that's horrible. Like, that's not how your life, that's not how your life should be lived. And I think, I feel like even for women, especially, I think we, we think that we're supposed to feel bad when we're not doing something for someone else. And that's not right either. Obviously, um, your worth is not what you bring to the table, you know, like your worth is just innate. Like, it's not the, it's not like, well, what, what do you bring? to the table. So I think that's a good perspective to have too, is just resting in that and resting in like, I'm enough, even if I do nothing, obviously you shouldn't do nothing, but, um, just knowing that, um, other people do that's, that just goes back to not letting other people define you. Cause that's a, definitely a form of that. So I, I definitely agree with you there. <laughs> yeah, no, I like how you said that a lot of women tend to think that they like need to take care of others and like feel bad like 
you're you shouldn't feel exhausted towards the end of the day i think that's a misconception that even i've found myself getting into where it's like oh at the end of my workout i should feel exhausted like i did something like it's <laughs> like i should deserve that gold star because i worked my butt off when it's like that's you shouldn't have to like rev yourself up in the morning just so that you can be exhausted at the end of the day i think that's so true and I, I saw this, I think it was an Instagram post with a quote, but it was like the, the, the competition of who's the most tired is not one that you want to be a part of or win. Mm. And I was like, oh, that's, that's really, really good. I, yeah. I just remember, especially in college, like it kind of was, it kind of was a competition of like, who can do the most and still be a functioning human being <laughs> like during the day. Like, oh, I didn't get home until three. I'm so tired. And then someone would be like, well, I didn't get home until 3.30 and I'm so tired. And it just becomes a competition. And I, that's not a competition I want to win. So count me out. I don't want to be a part of it. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I got stuck in that trap too. Cause I found myself like, um, I can be really competitive. And so it's like, oh, okay. I want to like win at everything. And then it's like, well, <laughs> do I really want to win at this or it was the whole like um like we bonded over like thinking that a test was going to be hard or that it should be hard um and being like oh my goodness I'm gonna fail and then there was like I I don't know if you ever experienced this but you I I like would study really hard for my tests and then I'd be like like I feel okay I'm kind of nervous but like I I think I've got this but I almost like had this like guilty feeling of like I feel like I should be saying that I'm nervous about this test um just because other people around me are like I'm gonna bomb it that yes especially with like I know that you're you've taken a lot of like hard science classes and that's just that's such a normal thing that happens with those types of classes it's just, it's just like okay, who's the most nervous or like, oh, who's, who's gonna be like, oh, like I didn't study at all. Or like, oh, I didn't. And then still make a hundred or they, I feel like it's always those people that are like, that I stayed up until 5 a.m. <laughs> I, uh, to be honest, I really hated those people. I was like, and you got the bonus, right? Like, what is oh, this? It's the worst. You're like, yeah. I, I have not slept in days. <laughs> How do you recharge? What's your self-care? Um, a couple of them I already named. I love, I love TV. I love movies. I don't care if that makes me sound like not creative or whatever, but I, I love a good TV show. I love a good movie. Um, I love taking baths. It's my favorite mm. thing. Like when I was stressed in college, if I, I was actually talking about this the other day with my sisters, I was like, don't remember when I would take like five baths in one night when I was stressed about a test and they were like yeah we would be like when is she coming out <laughs> um, you got the but, wrinkly fingers <laughs> yeah absolutely the raisin fingers um and then I love I love to take my dog on walks I love to be I love to be with people that make me feel like I don't have to be on if that makes sense like I can just kind of coexist with them and I don't have to just, my brain doesn't have to be firing on all cylinders. Um, so just being around those people and, and just listening to music too. Like that's music can really change your mood. So <laughs> yeah. What are some of your favorite TV shows and movies? Oh, I love, okay. I love Seinfeld. I love new girl. 
New Girl's the best. <laughs> it's so good. I, okay, is it on Hulu yet? Because I got on the other day and it hadn't been put on. So I don't think so. I don't have Hulu. Um, okay. <laughs> is it still? Is it not on Netflix anymore? No, it. They took it off, and it was so sad. No. <laughs> That's I a love, terrible day. Um, Je- it, is her? I'm completely blanking on her name. Is it Jessica? Is her name? Yeah, Jess. Yeah, yes. Jess. Um. And Nick. I was like, yes, yeah. yes. When they got yes. together, I was like, yes. Best TV couple ever. <laughs> yes. I was listening. I forget what the name of the song is, but she was basically talking about, I'm just looking for my um, Nick. And I was like, yes, yes. <laughs> I relate. <laughs> That's so funny. But yeah. Any comedy, love a good comedy. Um, and then any a critically acclaimed movie. I love like my husband and I are big like I don't want to say like film people but we love we love to like watch movies and then kind of talk about them afterwards and and unpack them (laughs) so that's really cool yeah because I feel like and I've even for myself this is something that I've been working through is like not demonizing watching tv I feel like I've I've even gotten stuck in like the productivity space on YouTube and Mm -hmm. we constantly and someone rephrased productivity to being like no productivity is what like you see like what you want to be doing with your time at that point and so if you want to watch tv that's like what you want to do but we like as a society start to like demonize certain things and being like watching tv is like bad or not creative when it's like know if that's something that brings you joy or you want to do it's okay to do that and I I also think like being able to talk about it with someone makes it even more enjoyable or like allows you to connect yeah because I think I mean I I'll watch stuff on my own but I really enjoy watching things with other people just for like I feel like it's more communal and it's more like you can comment about something to someone sitting next to you instead of just letting it like rummage around in your brain. So Mm -hmm. it's good for that as well. But um, yeah, love, love TV. It's great. (laughs) Yeah. What's your uh, favorite movie that you watched with your husband? Oh my gosh. I, I'm trying to think. I've watched, we've watched so many movies together. I guess movies kind of like, um, I'm just trying to think of something we watched recently. Um, we watched Glass Onion. We both really liked that. It's a mystery. I was about to um, say, what is that? <laughs> yeah, it's, so the movie Knives Out that came out a few years oh, okay. ago, it's like yeah. not a sequel or a prequel, but it's like, it's just another type of one of those movies. Um, but we both really just like movies that, have a lot of um twists and turns in them so (laughs) those are our favorites like I just I can't think of any more there's too many (laughs) Mm -hmm. no but that I'm gonna have to check that one out um speaking of things that like helped you through school what was like something that motivated you through school because I know taking all those classes can be really tough um and like still staying and like okay I'm still doing this yeah so like I said, like I took a little bit longer to graduate um, and A&M is just notorious for like how hard biochemistry and organic chemistry and all of those classes are. And so it was really, really easy for me to 
feel that imp- kind of imposter syndrome that we were talking about earlier and like, should I even be in this major? Like, I should probably just like do journalism. Not that journalism isn't a good major, but like do something like completely different. Um, and just, I think what helped me stay the course was one, the people around me that could speak into my situation and say like, your feelings are valid, but they're not always reliable. And you don't need to, you don't need to let your entire future be hinged on like how you feel about this class. <laughs> and so just having people around me that spoke life into me. Um, and then just even, even figuring out like, okay, this method of studying is not working. Like we're going to have to try something else. And it's really hard to switch. It's so hard to switch your methods of studying, but just being willing to like, um, talk to other people and figure out a new method and, um, do better on your tests and do better on your assignments and just humility, I guess, is the word that kind of goes with that. Um, just being humble and asking for help and not just kind of seeing it as, well, it's me against the world and I don't have anyone in my corner and it's all up to me. That's a hundred percent not true. So I think having that mindset of just humility and community around me really changed the game, especially kind of towards the end of college where I was taking a lot of my harder classes. Um, and then my husband, of course, we both went to a but my husband has always been like, I'm his number one fan and I, he's my number one fan. So we just both like mo- helped motivate each other in college. And that was really sweet. Um, that was really sweet and fun. So just, I guess those two things were the big, the big takeaways. <laughs> yeah. That's super cute that you guys were like each other's like cheerleader I <laughs> a lot. Um, but yeah, I, I think sometimes we forget that the, and I've even had to put this into my own perspective where it's like these like smaller classes or not smaller, but like the, the big broad classes are more just like weed out classes. And that's not going to define me as like a chiropractor when I get older. Like it's not, I'm, I'm not going to need to know all the different, well, you might need to as a dietitian, but like all the different reactions in the body, um, or like, I'm trying to think, or like, like chemical reactions when it came to like chemistry, (laughs) like I'm not, I'm not being a chemist. Um, (laughs) I might need to go brush up on it if I decide to be, but like at this point in my life, I'm not going to. So realizing that like that is not showing my self-worth and like um, that I just got to get through it pretty much. Yeah, I think like you said, seeing it for what it is, those are weed out classes and just kind of knowing that they're they're meant to push you and they're meant to be hard. And so don't be surprised if they are and like you're gonna get through it it's gonna be okay mm-hmm. um, I even heard that like it's almost with college you learn how to study in college which is kind of sad because you would think you would need to learn that in like elementary school through high school um but I didn't actually learn how to truly study until like college I don't know if that oh, was like for you oh absolutely I was like I got this I I know exactly how to get A's we're gonna do great absolutely not. I was like, okay, we're going to do YouTube some things and figure out some more uh, study methods that are going to be more helpful. Um, But yeah, it is, I think that's one of the most rewarding things about college is just figuring out how you are wired. Like you just have so much time to sit with yourself and think about 
how, how does, how do I tick? Like how, like what, what things work well for me and just having a lot of time to develop those areas, um, is a big, a big blessing. And I think like everyone should take full advantage of, of college to do that for sure. Yeah. What, what did you discover about yourself during college? Um, that I'm very prideful, um, kind of how I was talking about earlier with the humility thing. Like, I remember my first semester, um, my parents multiple times were like, you need to go talk to your professor or like, you need to go, like, you need to go get tutoring or something like that. And I would not do it. I was like, I'm fine. I can figure it out again with the me against the world mindset. Like I got this. Um, and so that was like, that was such a downfall for me. Like I didn't do horribly in those classes, but like, I could have done so much better if I would have just said like, you know what? It's not admitting that you're like, like asking for help is actually a sign of like a smart person. Like a, a someone who doesn't care about being smart is not going to ask for help. And so I think that was a very humbling experience. Um, I was humbled very fast <laughs> in college, but, um, definitely, um, just laying pride aside, um, in order to, cause you're doing that to get where you want to go. Like there's a, there's something down the road that you want that you can't get to unless you lay aside your pride and ask for help and get resources. But, um, I think that was definitely the most, the most, um, challenging thing to do, but in the end it was, it was rewarding. Mm -hmm. It almost sounds like you had to like detangle your definition of smart where it's like smart. Isn't like the person knows everything smart is like the person who knows how to ask questions. Yes. And I think, I think we're so like, even with the things that we watch, like, oh, well the smart person is, it's always the stereotypical, like never needs any help, never has to go to tutoring. Like that's just what's been put in front of us for our whole lives. And, um, and people don't talk about how hard it is to learn. Like you just see the grades and you're like, oh, well, they, they probably barely studied. They made a hundred. Um, and so I think people need to be more honest about that too, about like, it's hard for a lot of people. Like school doesn't naturally, doesn't come naturally to a lot of people. And so I think, um, kind of trying to break that stereotype too. And, you know, um, just make people believe that it's okay to ask for help, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes a ton of sense. And with that, I know in nutrition school, you like learn a lot of things and like, you probably realized you had some like different eye-opening things that happened for you. What was something that you discovered while you were studying nutrition? Oh, um, I think biochemistry was probably like the top class that I was just like, I'm, I'm blown away. Like there are so many things I don't know. Um, just even taught, like my professor would talk about like protein metabolism, fat metabolism, and say like, your, your Apple watch is lying. It doesn't know when you're in fat burning mode, it's, it's lying to you. And all of us were like, are you serious? Are you serious right now? <laughs> Um, and just, just things that like a lot of people, like just kind of untangling some, some things, um, and untangling, uh, common, just common things that people believe, I guess. Um, and biochemistry, you, you know, is 
is all about the details. And so like all the different pathways and all the different enzymes that go into things. Um, and I think it just made me appreciate how complicated our bodies are and how beautiful it is that we're all different. And like, even our metabolisms are different. Like that's just wild to me. Um, and so, yeah, I guess that that's kind of a broad, I guess that's kind of a broad answer, but that's, that would probably be my answer was just how, how detailed everything is. Yeah. I I'm super excited to study biochem. I know that's like one of those classes where people are like, Oh, it's a lot of work, but I'm like, yeah, it's a lot of work, but like, I'm also really interested in it. So like, yeah, um, there's like that pro and con to it. Um, but yeah, I, for me, it was really eye-opening to realize how like the metabolism can like change and is ever changing. And like, you can go from burning like 1200 calories a day to like eating like 2000 calories a day. And, um, and for that to change, just not based on like a growing human being, but just, um, lifestyle and activities and how you fuel your body was just eye-opening for me. Um, what what are some like misconceptions that you discovered while studying nutrition that like people talk about or you find people talk about so i think so especially with research like that has been going on for so long talking about body size and um risks for certain diseases and risks for certain like chronic diseases um that was the most that was the most surprising thing to see that like, that's not always necessarily a correlation of body size. And that's a misconception that people have been having for so long. Um, just like, oh, well, if you would just lose weight and, and be, and be leaner, then you wouldn't have any problems and your life would be great. And that just is definitely not always the case. Like there's so much that goes into what makes up a healthy individual and, weight is just one of like a dozen things, you know? And so I think when I came into nutrition, I, I kind of had that ideology like, oh, well, you know, if people would like these, these studies are saying if people would lose weight, then they would be fine, but it's so much more complicated than that. And that's why it's really important to read the research and be like well-versed in those things so that you can kind of correct people when they are wrong about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I um I definitely agree with that where it's almost I've even found this for myself where it's become more it's less about the weight being the issue, it's more like the symptom and there's usually something underneath that. Yeah, I think that I think it's just been really cool to see like just cuz you've believed and heard something for so long it doesn't mean that it's true. Um, and that's why I get so excited about intuitive eating and different things that, I mean, it's been around since the nineties, but in retrospect, like it hasn't been that long since it's been around and was developed. And so I just get excited with things like that, that aren't dependent on weight. It's more dependent upon your habits that you have, um, which are so much more infinitely important, um, that you have those good habits. Um, and Sometimes, sometimes people lose weight doing those habits and sometimes they don't. And that's not a reflection of success or failure. It's just how, it's just how your body is. And so, um, I think I just get excited about the future and where things are going with that. Yeah. 
I'm excited too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Have you ever found yourself getting stuck in diet culture? Because I know being female, it's very easy to do that. And just like, um, also just with media and consuming media, it's very, it's very easy to get stuck in that trap. It, it really is. And I think sometimes it's so sneaky, like you don't even realize what it is that you're like, I'll just give an example. I love, I love what I eat in a day videos. I think they can be very beneficial for some people. And, um, but so many of them start their videos off with like pulling up their shirt and like showing their flat stomach and showing like, oh, well, if you would just eat like me, then you can look this way instead of just videoing their food and showing what they made with their food. Um, And so I think that's something that I sometimes like more, more so in the, I guess in the past, but I found myself definitely getting sucked into that of like, well, like she looks great and she's eating this way. So that must mean I only need to eat like 1400 calories a day so that I can look like her. And just, it's so sneaky. And even with like, even something as innocent as like Amazon hauls or like clothing hauls where people are trying on clothes and you can tell that they're like posing themselves and they're like, they look great in what they're wearing, but they're obviously like sucking in their stomach and poking out their butt and stuff like that. And just like, what if you order that same dress and you try it on and you're like, Oh, I can't wear this. Cause I don't look as good as that influencer did in that dress. And just diet culture just comes up in so many different ways. It's so annoying. Um, but it does make me happy that more space on like TikTok and Instagram are being taken up by people who are like, this is what I look like posed. This is what I look like regularly. And I just love that. I think that's great. Um, just for people to see how social media is a highlight reel and it's whatever you want it to be. And you get to decide what people see, um, which can be kind of scary, but also can be a blessing just to use your platform to, um, bring light to those things, I guess. But yeah, I think it's really important for people to share the like differences and like pose and unpose. Um, but I also think it's the user's responsibility too of like what they are consuming and seeing how that is like, um, affecting them because it's funny um, I feel like if you look on someone's social media it tells you a lot about them uh, because mm-hmm. for instance like I had a friend open up my Instagram one time and they're just like why is your Instagram filled with like dietitians and uh, psychologists and like health coaches and stuff like that and I'm just like um, and this was like even before I started being a health coach I think this was like sophomore year of high school um and they're just like um this is a bit weird and i'm just like i don't know what to tell you and there's this filled with like cat videos and just people we follow from high school and stuff like that so um yeah i just especially now that like so many practitioners are now on social media i think it would be beneficial for people to just kind of like you can have your influencers because I know it's just fun to have a person who you can relate to, even though I question if you can relate to them, but like, um, but then also making sure you're getting in that like actual, like true evidence-based advice. Yeah. And yeah, you're totally right. I think it is, it's up to you to decide like what you want to consume. Like, don't be mad that Instagram keeps showing you like 
certain videos or certain reels if that's what you're clicking on or like watching the longest, you know? And so I think that's just a small part that we can play in like our mental health, even just, you know, deciding, okay, I'm going to mute this person. Now I don't want to unfollow them, but I just need to break. I just need a little break. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think too, like there's so, there's so many people who are throwing around the word toxic and throwing around the word cancel and all that. And I'm just, I'm just not really a fan of that. And I think it, like you said, like, it's up to you to decide what you consume. Like you pick what TV show you want to watch. You don't just let the TV show happen to you. Like you choose what you want to watch. So your social media should be the same type of thing. Like click on, like, be careful what you click on. Cause knowing, just knowing that it's going to pop other things up later that are similar. Um, so just taking personal responsibility for that, I guess. <laughs> I really like that analogy of you pick your TV show. So you also pick your social media. That's really good. Oh, good. That, that was off yeah. the top of my head. So thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I'm also really interested in hearing about your shadowing a dietitian in Kenya. Is that correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. What was that like? I'm super intrigued. Oh my gosh. It, it was, it was such an amazing experience. So I original, so during COVID or during when COVID was still pretty, um, pretty heightened and people were still being really cautious. Um, I was just looking for any opportunities that I could get to shadow a dietitian because at that point, like I, had zero, I had zero experience. I had zero shadowing. And so I was just like, what can I do? Like, can I do it? Do I have to travel somewhere? Do it? Can I do it locally? Um, and it actually was just something that popped up on Google funny enough. Like it was, <laughs> I feel like my stories are always just like, not that intro, like, like the, it's not as like magical as you might want it to be, but it literally was something that popped up on Google when I Googled like internships for future dietitians. <laughs> it just and, landed in your lap. It was for you. That's yes, what it was. It, it literally fell in my lap and um, it was very interesting. We, you had to apply for it. So you had to do like an interview with someone on staff on, on like their team. And so I had an interview with someone and couldn't tell you what we talked about, but it happened. Um, and I got in and I went in August of 2021. I think that was, yeah. Um, but I didn't know a soul. I didn't know a single person going. And so that, that was also a really, really like stretching, like just growth experience, um, to just, do something scared. <laughs> like I had, I had been to Africa once before on a mission trip and that was about it. And so I, um, we were on the plane there. I was like, what am I getting myself into? Like my parents barely know anything about this place. Like, oh my gosh. Um, but it was so, it was just so cool to see the amount that people can do with so little, like the hospital that I was at, they, there were definitely things that I was like, that's unsanitary, but I guess we can let that slide. <laughs> They're getting the care that they need. And that's the most important thing. Um, and just 
seeing how, just seeing how much the doctors and the dietitian that I shadowed, they cared so much about the patients, even though they were swamped and understaffed and had so many patients, they were never in a hurry. Like they, they took their time with each person. And so I think that was a really cool experience just to see, like, I want to be like that. I want to, I don't want to be so busy that I like, I miss out on making a personal connection with someone and miss out on just like trying to check all the, just trying to check all the boxes and missing out on the personal connection. Um, but yeah, I was there for two weeks. I, I met some amazing people. I, I love Africa. We were in Mombasa, which is on the coast. So the hospital was um, right next to the ocean, not right next to the ocean, but pretty close. And so there were like palm trees and clear water. And then you just, the hospital is dirty and really dimly lit. (laughs) It just felt like a, it was just ironic. Like the scenery is beautiful. And then the hospital is a mess. (laughs) Um, but, um, that, that was just a really, I'm so glad that I said yes to that experience. Um, I think even though it was only two weeks long, I think I still carry a lot of the things that I learned from that experience now, like just, um, with the kind of, I guess, healthcare provider that I want to be and just being really grateful for American healthcare (laughs) as, as crazy and broken as it is. Like, um, it's just, it's crazy that we, to see other people operating on a budget that is so much less than it is here and still doing a great job, but, um, just kind of reshifting my, my focus on that a little bit, but it was incredible. I would a hundred percent go back. (laughs) Yeah, no, it sounds amazing. What were some of your biggest takeaways from that trip? Um, so, okay. This is actually, this is kind of sad, but we were talking earlier about separating emotions from like things that just happen with other people. Um, so one of the days I was there, they were taking care of the, they had these beds lined up and it was just toddlers. Like it was young, really young kids. And, um, they checked on one of them and they, the, child had passed away. And so that was really sad. Um, but that was the first time I had seen something like that. And so the rest of the staff there was just like, okay, like go get the parents, like to tell the parents what happened. And I had to like, I had to go outside. Like I was about to just have a panic attack. Like I was like, how can they just move on and, and, and be so like, not nonchalant, but just continue to work, like even when something like that happens. And so I think, I think I just had, I just developed a lot of respect for nurses and doctors and just the grit that you have to have to push through, even when something like that happens and to still do your job well, Um, which again, goes back to what we were talking about earlier, like just giving like, despite how you feel like giving the best level of care to a client, no matter what they tell you, no matter what their background is, um, like kind of holding it together for them, like being a rock for them to tell you those things or for something to happen uh, for them to tell you something that happened to them. But I think that experience, thankfully that was the only time I saw something like that. But, um, I think that just really changed my, 
perspective on like what kind of person it takes to survive, not only survive, but thrive in the healthcare setting. Um, but that, yeah, that was a, that was a wild experience. Yeah. I, yeah, I could definitely see how that was really tough for you or could be really tough. Um, it's, uh, my, my grandma, she's a, she used to be a nurse and I did some like CNA stuff when I was in high school and just seeing what people like would have to go through and just the the tough skin the exterior skin that they just had to build to just push through and just get their work done is crazy yeah and i think i think that just speaks volumes to having someone like either when you get home or someone you can call in the car like to just not unload but like process through some things so that you can still maintain like i heard someone say one time if you if, if you stop caring, like when you're in healthcare, you need to get out, like you need mm -hmm. to get out immediately. Um, and so I think maintaining your humanity a little bit and, and not letting yourself be so tough that you, you kind of lose like the emotional reaction to things. But I think having someone to process those things with is really important. Yeah, I completely agree. Well, I've really enjoyed having you on the podcast. Uh, it's been really fun. I've enjoyed this conversation a lot. But there is one last question that I want to ask before we figure out where to find you. And that is, what advice would you give your younger self if you could? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I would probably say kind of the theme of what we've been talking about um, is just not letting fear get in the way of what you want and what you dream of having, um, whatever that looks like, whether it's like friendships, a job, a future, anything. Um, just, just letting yourself walk through, walk through the fear, um, and come out on the other side, stronger and, and more ready for the next, the next thing that you have that comes up in life. Um, so I guess more simplistically, it's doing something scared and not being, not being afraid of, of that feeling. That's what I would tell my younger self. <laughs> I love that. Where can people find you? Um, you, so I'm doing a little rebrand on my nutrition Instagram, but it's breakthrough nutrition. If you want to follow me and then my website is breakthroughnutritioncoaching.com. Um, and if you're interested in getting coaching, I have a form on there that you can fill out, but hit me up on Instagram or on my website. Awesome. You guys are definitely going to want to check her out. I love her Instagram. It's super cute and like curated. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. <laughs> well, thank you for being on this podcast. I've really enjoyed having you. Yes. This was so fun, Becca. Thank you for having me. And you asked really great questions. So it, it was a really good conversation. Oh, thank you. That really warms my heart. I love when people tell me that like they liked the questions because I, I like learning about people and it's really fun. Yeah. They were so intentional. Like I was like, that's such a good question. I never would have thought to ask that. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Becca Babbles podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, the best thing that you can do is leave a five-star rating and review on Apple podcast, Spotify, or any other listening platform of your choosing. 
If you want to learn more about me, you can do that by following me on Instagram at Becca and Wellness or by checking out my blog, freebies, offers, and newsletter on my website at BeccaAndWellness.com. If you want to share the love of the podcast, you can do that by taking a screenshot and sharing it on social media and tagging me and the podcast at Becca and Wellness and using the hashtag Becca Babbles Podcast. I hope you have a great rest of your day and I can't wait to babble with you next time.